Welcome back, Sheffield Shuffler and Lost in the Shuffle fans. It is episode 55. It is July 5th, day after Independence Day. It's Pete and John, as always. Looks like we got a haircut, John. Uh, we did get a haircut. Uh, it's incredibly hot out, and uh, I thought I'd do the do. Also, my last, very sad, uh, we're moving to the suburbs, and this is the last haircut I had with my stylist in the city. So. Sure. It was, I've been with her for several years, so um, it was a it was a heartfelt goodbye, and I will miss her, and I will miss her nice stylings. Although I haven't really done my hair yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, I know how that is, John. My father's a barber, so he has cut my hair my entire life. There's now, an attachment there. You spent a lot of time there. She knows well, a lot about my life. And if you take your not like I take it seriously, but like I, when I get a haircut, I feel like a new man. I feel 20 pounds lighter. I feel much more attractive. I always feel like my face is thinner, which is insane. But I think every time I'm like, man, I look good. It's an optical illusion. Yeah, yeah. it is, dude. When you get a haircut, if you don't feel like a better person, you have the wrong barber. That's true. So I definitely can relate to it. Looks good. Enjoy it while it lasts. Um, happy July 5th. We had 4th of July weekend. People were off yesterday. Um, so how did you celebrate 4th of July, John? What'd you guys do? We, uh, went to my parents' house, um, in the upper Chicago suburbs. They have a pool, which is awesome. Although it fucking thunderstorm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we're all inside, but eventually it got nice out and we just, you know, drank some beer, grilled, did your, you know, garden variety thing. Um, Brought the kid in the pool, messed around with some floaties. It was uh, it was great. Some of my nephews shot off some fireworks before 8 p.m. Everyone uh, has so their long. fingers still? All intact. Yeah, absolutely. My dad's weird about it because um, we, he has a cousin oh, who boy. blew like three of his five fingers off. Jason so, Paul. Yeah, so he just doesn't like his name. Traumatized. Is, what's his name? His name is Mike. Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but I have, he has several cousins with Peter, Paul, Vincent, uncle, we have an uncle Vin, um, obviously uncle Ange, who else do we have? Um, uncle Chico, uh, you got all the Italian names covered 100, 100% dude. Do you know? And the girl, I, you got Maria, Maria, so my, my, my full, my full name is John. If you and I look so Italian, it's like, it's a little, it's aggressive. We are aggressively Italian, both of us. And my name is John Vito Lelogia, and my mom wanted to name me Anthony. So my name could have been Tony Vito Lelogia. My dad is like, we, that is so aggressively Italian. We cannot do that. We got to let's find a nice, you know, a nice uh, biblical name. And so he went with John. Thank yeah, abs- absolutely. My parents as well were going to name my middle name Vincent and call me Vinny, Vinny Vitali. Tell me that's not the coolest name. <laughs> Vinny Vitali and Tony Lelogia. Dude, oh my God. that could have been, we could, that, those could have been the true hosts of this podcast. We got to see if those handles are available because we might have to rebrand. Vinny Vitali and, and Tony Lelogia. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Tony Vito. We- I like Tony Vito too. Tony Vito is amazing. What, uh, what does Vitali mean in, in Italian? I believe, um, you know, yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head. I know we had like the, the family crest and it gives like the whole backstory and stuff like that. But Vitali is a very common um, Italian name. Actually, there's a lot of people 
um, in New York who have that same last name. And obviously in Italy, um, we had cousins and family that went to Italy. There was churches like uh, Chapel Day, Vitali or whatever it is. Uh, my nanny went to Italy. She had to change her last name because there was mafioso attachment to it. So for her safety, she had to change her last name for the time being. Yeah. My wife's <clears throat> grandma, uh, it was like a, she has a diamond stone and she gave that stone uh, to me to give my wife um, for her engagement. So it was great. I got off pretty nice. I bought just a band and sure. it was my wife's grandma's stone. And I, I talked to her about like, oh, where'd you, where'd you get this? Where'd you get this insured? And she was like, ah, it fell off a truck, if you know what I mean. And I was like, yeah, of course it did. She goes, I don't, I don't remember where I got it. She goes, but there's no, there's no record of purchase, no insurance. She goes, just take it. She goes, it's real, I think. So, Well, that's all that matters. They're still with us, right? Pretty much, yep. John, uh, I did want to play a quick game, a little bit here called villain of the week. It's a new week. Obviously it's Tuesday, beginning of the week ish. Um, We're just going to do a villain of the week. It was 4th of July weekend. So um, my, one of my villains of the week is post 12 o'clock midnight firework guy. So I think it's pretty understandable. 4th of July, everything's good. Blow off fireworks. You know, that's great. Um, There is a time limit though. I think that is, um, the courteous thing to do after 12 o'clock. We shouldn't be launching mortars off guys. Okay. So, you know, let's, let's just try to remember that every year. Some of us got dogs. I don't know if anybody's got a dog during the 4th of July, but they call it K nine 11. Cause um, it's really loud and it hurts their ears. So that's my villain of the week. Take notice. My villain of the week. Definitely that. So one, our dog was freaking out because of the late night fireworks. Also, my son was trying to sleep last night. And dude, they were so loud. They were shaking. I'm at my parents' house right now. They were shaking my parents' house. They were so loud. I'm talking like M88s and M80s in the in the freaking street, dude. Like the good stuff. Just, just chucking them. Also, what age did we become old? Like maybe a few years ago we would have been doing such hijinks with our friends. Sure. When did, and like all of a sudden, not only am I not cool with it, I dislike it with a passion and I almost frankly hate the people and the kids that are doing it. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? That happened Probably, quick. Is at the same time you lose your happiness. You know why everybody's so upset nowadays. You kind of have that joyful, uh, jovial sense of the holidays when you're a little kid. And then, then eventually it grows out and Christmas is just another day. I think that's the same thing with this holiday. It's like we've we played with the fireworks and just like everything else, it just gets old. And then the magic comes back when you have children. So when your child is of age and he's got the sparklers and stuff, I think that's where you'll recapture some of that magic of the holidays, something like that. There was a great line. I don't know if you like uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but I think it was in season two. Uh, it was an underage drinking episode where they need to make money. So they open the bar to high schoolers to yes. get more money. And they basically have prom there. And there's a line that I've never forgotten where they're looking around at these kids and they're just like, my God, like, like, Oh man, they barely drank anymore. Like, why are they so excited? And, you know, and, and Mac goes, Hey, they're young. They don't know how much life sucks yet. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, that is so 
fucking true. Yeah. They're like they're young. They don't know how much life sucks yet. Well, you don't have a worry in the world. You don't have bills. You don't have as much responsibility. You have so. you have virtually no responsibility. I think like high school. I think you have less responsibility in college versus high school. And here's what I'll say. Like high school, you still have to worry about your parents because you live there. So you do have to adhere kind of to certain curfew standards, rules in college. Now, now you have not only alcohol, you have an abundance of alcohol, no supervision and absolutely no supervision. And so that's like college is, I think worse than high school sometimes where you're just like, okay, like I literally can do anything I want and have virtually no real consequences. Right. Besides, um, you know, if you're breaking the law, things like that, that just, don't, like, just don't public property. Like you can do almost anything, but just don't, once you ruin, once you damage someone's public property, like private property, like, like then you're fucked. Like yeah. do whatever you can. Just don't ruin people's mailboxes or yards yeah kids just so you know that is a federal offense because mail goes in that mailbox federal offense if you're messing with someone's mailbox keep that in mind they'll get you for that they'll get you you're better off smashing a front window not it i'm not endorsing that but i'm saying it in as far as the legality of the law <laughs> that's how it goes pete do you have any um experience with hijinks on fourth of july or anything like that oh i do and i don't know the statute of limitations are well um, we don't want to get you in trouble i i really don't i a pretty boring kid as far as fourth of um, july no i was uh, quite devious um especially with fireworks my father loved to purchase them we went to um phantom fireworks in indiana and he would just drop a boatload on them so well, that's where have, the best fireworks are you have to go to indiana or wisconsin right Yes, and we would have an abundance of them and leftovers, and we would save them. We'd get the baseball bats out in the summer and start hitting them. My brother actually set the neighbor's lawn on fire. It was so hot, and we were about to go to Rib Fest, and it was so hot, and it hadn't rained in days, and the grass has got that, like, crispiness to it. My brother's launching up cat fingers or whatever, hitting them with baseball bats into the guy's lawn. Woof! Brush fire, dude. The thing went up in smoke. He was taking two liters of orange soda out there. Help, help. It was uh, madness. Fire trucks came. So that was one thing. We used to play. Remember the assault for uh, American Gladiators? The assault. Remember the the show American Gladiators? Yes. They used to do an event called the assault where you'd have to shoot. The gladiator would be on this perch and they have a target behind him and they'd be shooting the challenger with like a bunch of tennis, like high why like powerful tennis balls and they'd have to go from station to station shoot using different guns trying to shoot we did that one year but we did it with roman candles it was insane yeah no i I did oh okay well um oh john did you watch stranger things by chance we finished it okay so do we so spoilers if anyone's listening um we are going to talk about it briefly um another a character i couldn't stand john Argyle, the dude with the long hair, the pizza guy. Oh, the guy for just like comic relief. So obnoxious, dude. I I mean, he wasn't funny. He was just kind of really obnoxious. He was just like over uh, playing the stoner. Right, like we're get it, dude. You're a stoner. It was just a little bit too much, in my opinion. Agreed. Also, like, not really a big character in the eighties. Like, okay. Like in the 60s, 70s, I'm buying that. Sure. In the 80s, it seemed out of place. It also seemed forced. And yeah. also, like, 
really like we get this as a tense show. Oh, we're gonna bring this guy for a little comic relief. Oh, but he's he's an idiot. But oh, of course he's gonna be the person who's gonna discover like the tracks that lead to the underground bunker. Um, it seemed very forced and it wasn't even like enough for me to get mad at. It was more of like annoying. I'm like, okay, like I got it. Um, but overall, by the way, I was watching this with the assumption that this was the final season. So after it ended, my wife and I looked it up like, Oh, there's one more season, obviously, because there was no resolution. Awesome. The Demogorgons in the Russian prison was, we were incredible. Um, hop, Hop is phenomenal. Like Eleven, Millie Bobby Brown is great, and David Harbour is fucking awesome. Is is Hop probably my my favorite character? I think. Yeah. Um. Just kind of, I didn't understand how he was like my daughter, Elle, and then like you know, I understand he took her under his wing. She kind of hung out in his uh, cabin while you know people are looking for his stuff. But it's kind of like you're not her dad, really. I mean, oh. you're not even not even a guardian. You're kind of just like. You know what I mean? Yeah. For for a second, I was about to lose my fucking mind because I was like, if Max doesn't die, this is complete bullshit. Like, she eventually, spoiler alert, she, event, she eventually dies, but I'm like, well, wait, no. Elle brings her back to life, right? Well, she's in the hospital. Elle entered her mind, remember? And there was nothing yes. there. Yes. There's nothing there. It's all black. And previously they said Vecna, when he kills somebody... He absorbs all of them, whatever's in their mind and all that stuff. So possibly foreshadowing, who knows? And this is where it kind of loses me. Like, I understand it's like a fictional thing. It got a little crazy. It got a little crazy. Kind of too much. Are we in the mind? I know you're in the water and you're meditating, but you're in her mind, but you were dying, but then they woke you up. Are you still dead? You know what I mean? It's kind of like an inception. Like, where are we at right now? Of course. But also too, like, dude, he snapped her legs and oh, wrists yeah. and her fucking eyes like she can't survive that like i know l has amazing powers but l has strong powers but l does not and should not have the power to bring back someone from the dead then we're sure. like entering like real fantasy crazy shit i know i know this is crazy but like you can't bring someone back from the dead i feel like right. that's when you lose me so like i was like max she's a casualty she's gonna have to die vecna's a bad dude like it's unfortunate but it has to happen. If she survives, like, what the fuck? I can't buy yeah. that. Plus, she sucked anyway, so she could Dude, die on my watch. She sucked definitely in the beginning of the show. I'm like, can she die already? Yeah. And then later on, I was like, okay, her brother Billy, like, it's rough. So I had a little bit of sympathy, but I definitely wanted her to die early on. Same. Uh, Argyle can die. Max can die. Um, I think that's pretty much on my death list who I hope would die in that Billy show. Billy the... Billy the freak long haired guy or what, what was his name? Not Billy. What was his name? Yeah. The, I, I the forgot. Guy, yeah. Who played the, the sweet song, the Metallica song. He, <laughs> he was awesome, but yeah. why, he made such a dumb decision to prove that he wasn't a coward. Like I was like, why did he just run like by himself out on the bike? Sure. That was so ill-advised. And when he died, I was like, yes, I'm sad, but dude, like not a smart move. Like right. totally could have been avoided. Yeah, it's almost like the Dark Knight, if you think about it. Remember the Dark Knight? He has to be painted as the bad guy. We need to blame Harvey Dent's death on the Dark Knight, even though he didn't do it, just like this guy died, and everyone thinks, oh, he's a murderer, blah, 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 but the real people know he was a hero. Dustin, clear that up. Dustin, 
man, he 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 acted pretty well too, dude. A lot of good tears, very emotional. Kid's a good actor. He's I like a good actor. Millie Bobby Brown's a good actor. He's a good actor. Some are some are not like Finn Wolfhard or whatever who plays yeah. Mike. Dude, not a good actor. And the guy who plays Will Byers is so bad at acting. I think he's terrible. Worse, what's worse, his haircut or his acting? Dude, it's close. He's such a bad actor. Also, no one cares that you're gay. Like, okay, that's what like, I want to talk but about. Also How too, many... like, it's, it's fine, and I know it's difficult for him, but like, let's get to it. Like, right. we're really drawing. Like, I, I feel like Robin, I feel like Robin's character, like, she's a lesbian, but so what? She's like, we're, we're actually seeing it in action, but they're drawing out Will's being in the closet for so long. It's like, okay, so he's gay. Like, well, let's see an interaction. Let's see something um that you know but like he keeps talking about it but nothing's happening at least with robin you're getting really interesting scenes from that from that girl in her choir or or a music class like Mm -hmm. those scenes were great at the end like that was awesome the peanut butter and jelly because he's in love with his best friend so i think that's the element that makes it very difficult right so he wants he wants mike i mean that's what it sounded like, right? I mean, I, he painted him a picture. You're the heart. You always are the fighter. Like, he's like, love So it. I think we should have seen that already, right? It was like all season. Some Something have been like, Mike either says, I know, and it's fine, or some some acknowledgement because his internal struggle with this, and they never get to it, like, it's you more awkward over a whole season. I know a lot's going on, but my it's God. more awkward when it's not when it's just subtle hints, right? It's kind of just like, oh, that was kind of uh, you know, yeah, his, but it's his so, turning and crying, and it's like, dude, it, just say something. Well, not only say something, but like the writers of the show like make something happen. Like they did mm-hmm. that with Robin. They made something happen, like and Grab it was his butt. and it was interesting and it was gratifying and funny and heartfelt to watch. But this, I'm like. My God, like either Mike tell him it's fine or you or something happened. Like I can't watch any more of this. It's just become like not interesting. Yeah. It's okay, guys. Just tell Mike you love him. John. It's my dad. I told him yesterday. Yes. Moving into sports, John, we saw our first eight to five triple play between the White Sox and the Twins. John, did the White Sox just forget how to play baseball and tag up on, on the bases or what? Dude, I was watching this live. So, so Buxton goes to center field uh, on an 0-2 pitch um, off of A.J. Pollock. He hits it to center, and no one tags up. So the throw goes – so he makes a catch. The throw goes back into second. They tag out Yoan Moncada and then step – and then throw to first base mm-hmm. uh, to complete the triple play. So they completely screw themselves out of a huge opportunity. Spoiler alert, they're chasing the Twins in the AL Central. Um, I'm watching the clip right now if you, if you want to pull it up. Um, but the funnier thing was Steve Stone, because I was watching it live, uh, and Steve Stone's very like nice and PC about his criticism towards the White Sox because it's his employer. Right. And even him, like Jason Benetti, their play-by-play guy, was like, this is fucking, like, how does this happen? And and Stone was like, you will never see that again, 
ever in your life. And then even on Twitter, someone asked him about it and he was like, that was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Tony LaRusso was baffled. Did you see his face? LaRusso was baffled later, later in the game gets thrown out. I think for arguing balls and strikes, which by Tony getting thrown out of a game means, means walking out of the dugout, which takes about, I don't know, 25 minutes for him to get out there. And he's so tired. He can only like say four or five words. And then he just turned around and, and went in the dugout, not before Mm -hmm. sneaking in one more pitch. Like he, he's like, he didn't leave right away. He's not going to one more pitch. And then he left. So this is just a microcosm of how the White Sox has played all year. Um, though they're poor base run, base running in lack, uh, and they just lack attention to detail. And that's and I so much of it is is on the manager. This is not a fun place to play. Um, he takes the fun out of so much um, of the, takes so much fun out of the clubhouse and out of the game of baseball in general. Um, I don't think. They like him. I don't think they enjoy playing for him. None of them look like they're having fun. And things like base running and mental mistakes, sure. you can put that on a manager. You can put yeah. that on a coaching staff. You can put that on how that that coaching staff and how that manager um, runs things. And it starts discipline and focus, right? Yeah, absolutely. Those are things that you could control. Strike how many happen, outs are there? Yeah. Ha- yeah, strikeouts happen. These things happen. But, but this has happened so many times where – them running themselves out of innings and making mental mistakes. I mean, it's so embarrassing, but it doesn't matter because the owner hired him directly. And like the only person that can fire him is the owner and the owner is the one who hired him. So he's not going anywhere, but I feel bad for White Sox fans because it's so frustrating. This was their window for the world possible world series contender. And they're doing shit like this, which is embarrassing and has like almost never happened before. It's just, it's terrible to watch. Yeah, twins are going to take that uh, that division, I believe, um, just from just the play that you can tell. I mean, twins are hitting, White Sox are not hitting, especially against right-handed pitching. Um, it's amazing how good Byron Buxton is when he's healthy. It's like scary good. Yeah. I mean, there's so many front office guys I've listened to podcast on. Derek Falvey for the Twins. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but they're like, "What's the in your all of your years in baseball going back to the, you know." you know, Cape Cod Lake, which I think he worked in, in the East coast. And he goes, I know he's been hurt for years. He goes, but Byron Buxton is the best baseball player I've ever seen. I heard, I listened to this in like 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. He goes, he's just, has never been healthy to show it, but he is the most talented player I've ever seen. And now we're like seeing it. I mean, dude, he's getting sliders low and outside on the outer third and he's hitting them over 400 feet to left center. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Like you cannot get that dude out. If he stays healthy, there's no doubt the twins are going to take that division and and possibly be a a strong contender in the playoffs. John, the NL East is getting back Scherzer and DeGrom. You wanted to touch on winning attitude and experience matters. Well, I think it's going to be huge. The fact that they've been able to play as well as they have played is incredible. Also, I don't know if you caught DeGrom. uh, It was so funny, like how good major league pitchers are. He was pitching in the minor leagues and they had a clip of him, like throwing a slider Mm -hmm. um, to this minor league hitter. And it was like a joke. Like not only was the hitter completely overmatched, but the catcher, it looks so awkward the way the catcher caught it. He he was 
he barely caught it and he was also late. Like I've never experienced this type of velocity nor late movement right in my life. How he's tracking it. Of course. Like just not, just not prepared for that type of velocity and movement. Um, so that was just fun to see. So can't wait for them to, to come back. I mean, DeGrom's throwing a hundred Scherzer, I think makes his start. Is it tonight or sometime this week? I believe. Um, so that is something exciting to see. And then also, uh, college football or mm-hmm. athletics, UCLA and USC join the big 10. Uh, it's a huge deal. Obviously it means more money for the big 10. Also it's hilarious because the big 10 doesn't have 10 teams anymore. And now the PAC 12 won't have 12. Um, mm-hmm. Has anyone ever thought about re- renaming these, uh, these conferences? Like, I don't think so. I don't think so, but it's just, it's interesting because the PAC 10 historically sucks. And the only teams that people really care about in the PAC 10, I mean, sometimes if Oregon's good and they have to be really good is U- USC and UCLA. Cause they're obviously in Los Angeles, they're in big markets, but you really don't care about Washington, Washington state, Oregon state. There, no, no one really cares about any of those other teams. Also they're on the West coast. So they really don't get prime viewership. Sure. And so this is incredible for those two teams because now they're going to be in a conference in the Midwest where people love football. There are so many fans of the big 10 and those teams, Michigan and Ohio state, obviously. And now they're going to be able to play more prime times game, primetime games where the majority uh, of the country is going to be able to watch them. Um, I will argue and say the advantage that they do have playing on the West coast, as far as a betting standpoint, those are your bailout games. So you've been betting games all day. Games are at 11, 12 o'clock and you're down. Usually the Hawaii games, those West coast games, USC, they're come on a little bit later. So as far as a betting perspective, those are like your bailout games. I can't have a bad day today. I would like to see those numbers on how much more betting on those games are than other games curious to think about no 100 percent. also john do they know how cold it is uh in the midwest are they aware they're about to find out i love that so many of those people like wanted to go to this is the thing with notre dame like i'm a i'm a notre dame fan and you know historically they've gotten the best recruits they've had this very um you know herald tradition and so many heisman trophy winners but in the last like 15 to 20 years they haven't gotten top recruits. Now, some people will say that's the the rigorous academic standards that some of the other schools don't have. But what it really is, too, is I think young younger people, millennials, Gen Z, I don't think they give a shit about history or whatever. I think they want to be in a fun place where it's fun to ha- like a fun city. South Bend is not a fun place to hang out. Um, they want to be in some place warm in a big mm-hmm. metropolitan city. Um that's fun to be at and, and ultimately, you know, wants to, they want to win. And I think USC and UCLA are much more attractive places than the, you know, some places in the Midwest or the, or they want to go play in the South, which is a better conference and better weather anyway. But I think it's hilarious that they went to these PAC 10 schools, probably a lot of them that were recruited away from these big 10 schools and other guys end up playing in you know, the big house in like November and it's, or Indiana and it's going to be freezing and they're not. And it's a huge, it is a, a huge difference maker too. Um, like a West coast team coming to play like in October, November, it's way different. 
especially when you see the kids that they recruit usually from that same kind of area as well. You know, you're not, you're not drafting kids from Massachusetts to go play in Texas or, you know, USC players coming from, you know, South Dakota, people who are used to that. So they're very used to that same kind of climate, excited to see how that differs um, on the playing field. You come to play at Northwestern right by the lake games are going to be what nine to 13, maybe. I don't know. So yeah, going to be interesting to see. Definitely. Um, we're talking 4th of July. I want to talk about uh, the Nathan's hot dog um, contest. Yes. Okay? Our boy, Joey Chestnut. If you didn't see it, every 4th of July, they have a hot dog eating contest. Joey Chestnut okay, chomped his way to victory once again. Uh, a winning record, uh, a record-winning 15th victory um, at the annual 4th of July competition by Nathan's Hot Dogs. Um, 37-year-old downed 63 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Um, but a far cry from the record 76, mm-hmm. which he t- devoured last year. He was injured, though. What? He, he, what, he hurt his foot? He was on crutches, right? Yeah, he had a tore tendon in, uh, in his foot. So he was um, playing hurt. So this is like the, so this is like the Michael Jordan flu game for him on a much bigger scale. Yes, obviously, dude. Did you see? So the, another thing that I want to talk about, obviously, him winning, not the biggest news because he's the goat. Probably used to be Kobayashi. I think we can say safely it's him. Uh, did you send that link of that, um, that guy who crashed it? Yes. I mean, I, I did see it. I'm, I'm pulling it up here now, but it was attacked. Did you look into what that sign meant? Um, it, was, it was exposed something. Oh, I think it was exposed Death Star. This guy was wearing a Darth Vader mask. Yes. But, but he, Chestnut is just like, just mowing down hot dogs, put dipping them in water. And this guy like rush bum rushes the stage with like a Darth Vader mask and something say expose something Death Star. And then Chestnut gets him to a headlock immediately while he's still chewing food. And then uh, the guy with like the straw hat comes in and just takes him down. Um, the guy with the straw hat, John, I am going to inquire if he can do my eulogy when I die. Um, because he is one of the best MCs in the game. Would you agree? He's great. He's really good. Just absolute fireworks every time he gets on the mic. But yeah, Joey Chestnut does it all, man. Uh, tore tendon in his foot, wins the competition, takes down an intruder, coming at someone trying to take his thunder. Nice little nice little uh, headlock there for him. Uh, rear naked choke, doesn't really get his bicep under, doesn't really lock it in, but he doesn't have much time. He's working, so good on Joey Chestnut. Pretty impressive. Play and hurt, wins a competition, knocks that dude out. Restrains him, I'll say. Would you say that's one of the best, uh, biggest feats? I saw that Rafael Nadal has won a major at one of these locations, and he's won like 14 or 15 times as well. People um, speaking disparagingly on Joey Chestnut saying, it's not that impressive just because he's eating hot dogs. But the talent gap, John, is so big. At the three-minute mark, when three minutes has surpassed, I think he was 11 hot dogs ahead of the next guy. At five minutes, he was close to 20 hot dogs ahead of the next guy. So regardless if you want to say it's skill, talent, or, or you know, he's not a, an athlete. You can argue he's not an athlete. That's fine. 
But the the dis, the discrepancy between the talent between him and the entire field is incredibly large, and you can't you can't discount that. No, he's it is definitely a talent. I mean, there is there is a whole science and a and a method to how he does this. I watched his thirty for thirty on Joey Chestnut in the hot dog eating contest. Like they're like. He's not a he's not a big guy like guys you would you would think a lot of large people would be really good at eating contests not the case like there's a like most of those people are somewhat slender and there is a way that they digest and the way that they shove it down their throat and how quickly they can digest it and move it along and just get more hot dogs and buns down their gullet at a rapid pace and it's like it's like a process and it's like there can't be any kinks or or bumps in that process and it has to go really smoothly and he works on that um he works really hard the expanding of the stomach uh, all the salad that they eat that really expands his stomach so like you mentioned the science behind it there's a lot of stuff that they do to expand your stomach and apparently um salad is a is a great way to do that yes so that was phenomenal um the last thing i had you talked about stranger things I have a show for you that I binge watch that is so fucking good. Uh, I've literally, I think, told everyone to watch it uh, over the holiday week. I know you're going to like it. Like, Mm -hmm. I know you, and I would be shocked if you didn't like it. Like, I'm going to say I'm 98% sure you're going to like this show. It's called The Bear on Hulu. Um I don't want to give too much away. There's like eight episodes. It dropped June 23rd. Um, it's like a dark comedy. Um, and it's this guy who takes over this, his family's like ramshackle Italian beef joint um, in Chicago. It's set in Chicago. It's filmed in Chicago. It's a very Chicago show. Um, it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's, it's so good. Um, if you like, and it also depicts like how intense being a, a chef is and how intense uh, running a kitchen and dealing with the frenetic pace and unruly customers and a difficult, you know, um, diverse staff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. It is such a good show. I want to talk about it more, but I don't want to give anything away. Um, definitely highly recommend The Bear. It's called The Bear on Hulu. Uh, check it out. It's like eight episodes. Um, and then hopefully you watch it and then we can talk about it next week. Fair enough. Yeah, I do have Hulu, so I will check it out. I haven't seen any episodes, but yeah, it looks like Lip from uh, Shameless. Um, and he was, you know, one of the better characters on that show. He's so. the main character. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. This is stud. Yeah. Yeah, man. Those were, uh, those were some of the things that, uh, that I kind of had for you. Um, I did want to talk about more 4th of July stuff. I just don't know if it's worth getting into. Um, but yeah, just maybe just a footnote. Um, you know, if people want to celebrate the 4th of July, let them, you know, there's, um, I, I equated it to nobody's perfect. My, my family's not perfect. My friends aren't perfect. Some of them are, you know, pretty messed up, but if it was their birthday, I'm, I'm still going to be there to support them and um, celebrate them because of all the great that they've done and how much they mean to me. So I 
do the same thing um, for 4th of July. I understand there's are things that are wrong with the country and there's, you know, hopefully things that we're striving to fix and it's not perfect at all. But when it comes down to it, um, it's a great place to live. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, and if you don't take advantage of that, I think that's on you. Um, there's a lot of bad things that are going on, obviously, but um, there's a lot of great stuff too that we are provided through just just uh, living here. And like, um, what's his name? What's the old guy? Creed. Creed from The Office. When they were having the lottery drawn in one of those episodes, he goes, I already hit the lottery. I was born in the U.S. of A, baby. That's how I view it. Yeah, man. I <clears throat> I totally agree. You know, I, I'm... I was so happy to like celebrate 4th of July and hanging out with family and fireworks and, and the stuff that I did with, you know, as a kid, I want to eventually do with my son and, and uh, my family and my nephews. And they had a blast shooting off fireworks and laughing and, and it's great. And we definitely should celebrate. Um, we also shouldn't, you know, we also should be cognizant of all <clears throat> the, the problems that we have in this country, but it doesn't mean we can't celebrate um, the country and very, very fortunate to live in this country and have the freedoms to be able to, to say what we want and, and, and do for the most part, what we want. And in a lot of countries, you don't have that. And, and it's a state run government and you can't say certain things. And uh, so very fortunate to live in this country. Also acknowledging we have problems that we need to fix and we need to work on and not to lose sight of that uh, also, but also, you know, spending time with family and, 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 and enjoying uh, the 4th of July and fireworks, I think is totally fine. And I think is an, is, is important to do. Um, and you can still acknowledge the, the problems that we have and, and, the, uh, and the issues that we need to, to work on and, and resolve. So I think you get a, a bigger scope of the world and how things work when you travel, John, when you go to other countries, not less necessarily in the United States, but when you travel outside of the country and you see some of these other countries, or if you just do research and you understand, Oh, that's going on over there. Of course, it's not being covered in, mainstream media but if you're intelligent and kind of know what's going on you can kind of see wow that's um that's terrible and we don't have that issue here yeah of course like we're very we're very fortunate to live in this country for for many reasons um and i think you know acknowledging that on the fourth of july is great it's it's a reminder that uh that this is a great country and and we have freedoms to be able to do and, and say a lot of things that a lot of other people in other countries um, don't. So we're very fortunate of that. Both things can be true. You can love this country and mm. celebrate it, which you should. And you can also be highly critical of this country and the problems that they face. It's okay to do both. And and it's also great to have the freedom to be able to say uh, there's a lot of problems with this country uh, that are glaring and in the news and are currently happening and they're scaring a lot of people and we need to fix those. So both things can be true. I feel like now it's like one, there can only be one thing and that's not the case. This is a great country. We have our problems. Both things are true. Mm -hmm. And by also by celebrating the country, isn't, isn't pushing those other things off to the side and saying that they're not important, you know? And that's the issue I take people being upset about celebrating the 4th of July. Um, that's it's silly in my opinion um, because it doesn't negate the the things that you'd like to change about this country. It's, you know, it's being grateful for the, for the freedoms that we have and, and, um, and then also acknowledging that we have problems too, that also need to be fixed, but it doesn't yeah. mean we 
shouldn't celebrate it. And there are people like that. And that's, I think, what kind of grinds my gears and just why I wanted to touch on that. Because some people, yeah, like you are a terrible person if you're celebrating or you, you know, are blind or blah, blah, blah. And like, I've seen some people, I'm like, they literally sat at home like this. Mm. Like, I'm not doing it. It's like, all right, that's great. Um, Like, you're just, you know, negative people. That kind of stuff just bothers me, especially when you're talking disparagingly about such a great country, a country that you could talk shit about and not be shot to death. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking, you know, I was talking to my wife about this because obviously there's been some, you know, we have a child now and, you know, there's been some mass shootings. There was recently one in Highland Park and, and you know, at Uvalde. And and uh, so we're just, you know, sending our kid off to school. We're like, Jesus Christ, you're like, we're really worried about it. But I, you know, there's so many problems and issues in the world. And I think what well, what we can do, like we're, I was training on local news the other day, like NBC five and uh, Alison Rosati is like the anchor on NBC five Chicago. She's been the anchor for like 20 years. And yeah. she was reporting on a story of like all these shootings, like in Chicago on the South side, all these bad things that are happening. And I'm like, this could have been a broadcast when I first moved to Naperville with you in like 1994. It's like the same mm. shit is happening. And there's a lot of problems that we have in this country. There's always going to be problems. Like we should try to fix those and we should try and educate people to, to, to make things better. However, like the short time I have like on this earth, like I want to make my own. I think the best thing I can do is like not watch so much news. Like I I'll get it through the internet, like I Apple news or whatever, like I'll mm-hmm. get headlines and, and if I choose to delve down those rabbit holes, I, I will. And, you know, and I want to be up to date on current events, but I really try to make my own little world, you know, like block all that stuff out and understand like, well, my, like, if I really look at my life day to day, it's pretty great. You know, like mm-hmm. my wife's awesome. My kid's great. I have a nice family and nice dog, you know, um, able the to dog is nice. You do got a dog's nice. awesome. So, but, but also too, like the world is like crumbling. It's like, yes, it's not great, but like what can I control? Cause you see, it becomes overwhelming when I watch so much news and ingest so yeah. much stuff. It's like, I only can control what I can control and I can control myself. I can hopefully teach my son what it is to be a good person and what's important and how to treat other people. And that's really, really the only thing I can change is like the future of this country and, and donate to charity or whatever else. But for the most part, like I really don't have a ton of control. So I just want to like, create my own little world and be happy in that because like, especially after the pandemic life is short and Mm. I would urge everyone to like be up on current events, but don't ingest so much of it because it becomes really toxic and focus on the things that are going well in your life and figure out, you know, how to enjoy those, how to make those better and be up to the date on current events. But it's so easy to, to be poisoned uh, and, and, you know, by toxicity of, of so much news and things mm-hmm. that you can't control. It's good to be aware of them, but just, just take them um, a little bit at a time. Um, and and try don't to make just, that your, like your complete identity. You know yeah. what I mean? Where people are like, I'm an activist and it's like, all right. But like you mentioned, John, the biggest thing you can do is yeah. Raise the next generation of, children to it's honestly the only thing i feel like i can do is like like what i like all the change i want to see in the world that i feel like i have no control over i'm gonna pump it into that kid he's probably gonna be so sick of me talking but that's the only thing i can do and then hopefully 
he's going to meet other people and say, Hey man, like, that's not cool. Like, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's just going to help. It's the only thing I, I, I feel like I can really do. And hopefully he continues to do that. And my grandfather did that to my dad. My dad did that to me. And we just try to keep it going and, and try to do that as much as we can. Because and my, yeah. we, all, we all have to live in this country together, dude. Like right. we're all have to live amongst each other. So we, as much as I, I have, you know, disagreements with certain people vehemently you know i very much disagree with them like i have to ha i have to spend time with these people you know some of them are family members and some of them are, are old friends from college mm -hmm. who have we have now we have very different ideologies on things but i, I don't want to hate them i want to figure out how to coexist with them and and it's difficult but i'm i'm trying trying to do that and it's important for my son too to to be like hey we're all together you know like we have to coexist with these people so i pride myself too in having different opinions from people and still being able to get along like i have a buddy who constantly sends me um articles around a certain subject that he knows i'm against or he's for and it's just like he wants to argue and it's like yeah bro you literally sent that to me just so we can start arguing why yeah. why do you want to argue you know, I don't like this. You like that. Why? Like, I still like, why are we trying to pick a fight right now? You know what I mean? And like, like you said, I think a lot of the problems do start in the home. If the home life was a little bit better and people raise kids to be uh, contributing members to society and doing the right thing, they wouldn't grow up to be fucking shitheads or nut jobs or whatever. And I know no. there's external factors. I know it's not, you know, all that, but that's a very good majority of is raising people and children to act the right way. I think that's the, that's not even the norm anymore. It's like, yeah. No, I, I totally get it. It's a, it's a struggle now too. Um, just with the, the polarization of, of the media and the big, the biggest concern I have too is, you know, my family member, brought this up and you know and they were like well no one can have talked to anyone anymore you know and i think the biggest reason is is that there's not a common basis of facts you know like, sure which is really scary so like if you're talking politics someone on the far left someone on the far right someone on the far left or you know okay if they're having an if someone on the far left someone on the far right is having um a debate about the earth. Okay. And this, and the person on the left thinks it's flat and the person on the right thinks it's round. Um, there can't be any debate because there needs to be an agreement on facts. Sure. And, and if, and if you show some, if you show some Republican something and they're like, Oh, that's bullshit. That that's not true. But like, it is true. You know what I mean? Right. And you show a Democrat something and they're like, Oh, it's bullshit. That's not true. But like, it is true. Like, yeah. and they just don't believe it. Like sure. you can't like, that's what worries me the most is there's not a common basis of facts. You can be like, Oh, there's gravity. And someone's like, no. And you're like, okay, well then there's nothing else we can talk. And that's, that's the biggest reason why I think there's so much friction and people are having disagreements is because people can't even agree on what's true. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that, you certainly can't have an intelligent debate about it with discourse and you definitely will ha never have resolution. Um, and so I, 
I try to, if I'm ever having a disagreement with a person, if I try to, before I even get into it, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the discourse. I obviously enjoy talking and sharing my opinion, clearly. Yeah. Um, I try to check in first as far as like, well, what do you think is true? And if what they think is like clearly, like viably not true, I don't even engage. Because I'm like, there's no point. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to get into this. If you don't agree on that, then we can't talk about this this this, this subject. Um, that's the nice thing about sports is it's 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 win or lose. You know what I mean? It's a zero sum game. This guy won. This guy lost. You have the stats, and the exciting part is to do the analysis. Why? Why did they lose? And the stakes are so low because it's sports. It's it matters to us, but in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. Politics, it it definitely it definitely matters. So the stakes are super high, and so people get people get crazy. Um, which, and I enjoy talking about politics too. But it's it's hard, and within our current climate, it's very difficult to to do. I wish we could talk politics on this show. Maybe 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 we we can and, and decide to at some point. I know it's not an agenda for the day, but if we ever did. And we may be on opposite ends of the of the aisle here, but I hopefully we could do it in a way that would be respectful and have solid discourse and and go that way. Yeah, I'm all about that learning, listening, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to close out the show. Obviously, on not a political note. Maybe we'll get into that on another episode. But one thing, John, as the um, All Star Game approaching, trade deadline approaching, um, I saw one player. Sad. Um, Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras is a very good catcher. Okay. He plays for the Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs are going nowhere. I have seen um, some players that will fit in at other places. Houston Astros. We got Martin Maldonado. He's hitting 155. He's hitting 149 at home. He's only got seven home runs, 18 RBIs. That is the biggest glaring hole, I think, in the um, Astros lineup and in their um, their depth chart at the catching position. Um, Wilson Contreras would be a huge addition to that. I don't think there has been a catcher traded at the trade deadline to a World Series competitor. I was watching something on the news today that they mentioned that. But I think um, Wilson Contreras to the Astros makes a lot of sense. And I think that really pushes them over the top because right now that's the biggest glaring hole they have. Didn't know if you had any um, input on Wilson Contreras to the Astros. Well, okay, so so I'm looking at I'm looking at the stars on the move. So one player, all 30 MLB teams should trade away, should trade for or away ahead of the ahead of the deadline. Okay, so if you're thinking Astros, if the Astros want to think big, the answer could be Wilson Contreras or it could be Josh Bell. Um, however. Uh, and I, I was, I was, I was delving into the Astros and how they feel about Martin Maldonado. Like they, they don't him. give, they do I fucking love him too. And they basically said their front office and they were very explicit about it. They're like, we don't give a shit what he does at the plate. The amount of value that he brings to an offense or excuse me, to a pitching staff is immeasurable. That's and how well. Verlander, Valdez, Garcia, Javier, Urquidy. The rapport. William McCullers Jr. They're fucking incredible. And I was, uh, they brought, I, I was thinking about this too with Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks, who 
historically has not pitched well with Contreras behind the dish. But the last two starts, he's pitched to Jan Gomes and has felt in sync with the connection. And you've seen significant results. And and it was brought up about Maldonado and how much value Maldonado brings to that pitching staff. The, anything he does at the plate is gravy. They don't give mm-hmm. a shit. So I don't know if they need him. I think the biggest thing and what they've been saying as far as the Astros is Andrew Chaffin. They need a left-handed reliever um, because they're they're frankly lacking that in the bullpen. Um, but I definitely think the Cubs will trade Wilson Contreras. I don't think it's going to be the Astros. I really don't. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they need him. I think there's a lot of other pieces to the puzzle that they'll need. I think they'll trade Wilson. I don't think they'll give Hap. Uh, I do think they'll extend Hap. Um, I don't know how much though. I feel like those could be cantankerous negotiations. Like I feel like he's going to, based off of how he's playing, he'll want a lot of money, but um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's gonna, I think he'll be traded. I don't think it'll be the Astros. I don't think I think it'll be somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, that was just something I saw today. I thought it made um I thought it made a lot of sense. I mean, and then they did mention the like you said, the value that he brings to that pitching staff, the comfortability they have, the rapport um really means a lot behind the dish, not necessarily at the plate. Um, so, so a, a better a better spot for Contreras, uh the Mets. So sure. Mets catchers are hitting slash line one one ninety four, two forty one, two fifty two with just two home runs. Um, they rank seventh in OPS and 11 in home runs. Um, so they really do need another hitter. Um, and also it'd be nice to have like a, a premier catcher with, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom coming back. Um, so I think the Mets, uh, would be a great spot, uh, for him. Um, since they really don't have a lot of pop behind the plate. Yeah. With James McCann and Thomas Nito, um, both just, playing right. they're just they're primarily defensive catchers so they they really mm-hmm. offer nothing and so you think about like where do you need it most like the astros i think maldonado's awesome and i think they're getting everything they want out of maldonado and more he hit two bombs the other night you know what i mean like they don't care what mm-hmm. he does uh, at the plate uh so i think the mets would be a perfect spot for them beautiful perfect. mets or astros maybe we can yeah. revisit this and see who is correct maybe you sure. are both wrong but um that's all i got for today john um you got anything else for me that's it man happy fourth of july dude happy fourth of july we will be back next tuesday um next tuesday the 12th we will do another show um and then that will be the week that i should be leaving for the all-star game so hopefully we can get some more content there. yeah so i'm very excited for that Home run derby. Um, maybe, maybe we'll touch. We'll touch on home run derby and all star game stuff next episode. Yes. Um, talking about our favorites to win. Will uh, Pete Alonso three Pete? Um, who else will be included? Maybe we'll get some news this week of others included. We should, um, and then we can touch on that. Sounds good, buddy. You guys, thank you for watching episode fifty five, July fifth of Lost in the Shuffle. Me and John will be back next Tuesday. John, thank you as always. Later. Bye. Baby.